0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If This is your first time listening. I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at CapitalCityChristian.org. We're in this series called Not My God, and we're looking at some of the things that get God twisted and scriptures that are misinterpreted. Some of these sayings are silly, but when you set an expectation for God that God doesn't promise, it can lead to a disastrous disappointment that's dangerous for your faith. Have you ever heard God won't give you more than you can handle? Maybe you've heard it at a funeral or from a well-meaning friend during the worst day of your life. The truth is God doesn't promise us that, but he does make some other promises. Let's look at this saying today with our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. I was kind of disappointed. I kind of thought that's how Ben would respond when he got some Dallas Cowboys, right? Snuggies. Ought to be jumping up and down. It's amazing. Before I get going here, look into the back of the room. And you see over in that corner, we moved our prayer room from down here to the back. It's a little bit larger. It's a little bit more private and quiet. You can slip into there uh, very quickly if you want to. And I need to tell you that there's, a, there's an elder that's been in that room praying for you guys, and he'll be praying for you guys there the whole service. And if at some point in this service you feel like you need to have some prayer or want to pray with somebody, just slip into the back there, and uh, they'd love to pray with you at this time. Now, how many of you guys like Christmas? Really? Really? Okay. Okay. How many of you guys like Christmas in July? Yes. You guys are just weird, all right? Man, I'm a Grinch at Christmas. I'm a Grinch on steroids Christmas in July. However, however... When you've got a heat index out there that's been going over 105 degrees, it's kind of nice to see even artificial snow, isn't it? You know, that that helps a little bit. But I do like it when the family gets together at Christmas. I love watching the little kids open their gifts, especially the littlest tykes. They're kind of fun, aren't they? Because they don't care about what's in the box. They just want the box. Isn't that cool? You know, they discard what's ever inside, and then they can throw it, and they can catch it, and they can climb inside of it. It just, it's that's all you need in order to please a little tiny tight now we overdo it a lot at christmas with our gifts in fact i suspect there's probably some people in this room that are still trying to pay off last christmas on the other hand the idea of giving gifts in order to celebrate the birth of christ is kind of cool may we worship a gift-giving god right we are children of a gift-giving god and to celebrate his birth by giving gifts is kind of an image of God thing in my mind. But did you know that the Christmas story is not really the first time God gave us a gift? It's really not the first Christmas, so to speak. You have to go all the way back to our creation story. It's kind of like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit kind of had this confab, and they said, let's, let's make this pair special, really special. Let's give them some gifts that will be unique and amazing. We'll give them these capacities. That's what I'm going to call them. Give them these capacities. We'll give these human beings this capacity for relationships. They'll have friendships. They'll have family. That'll go beyond what other creatures can have. And they're going to need them when life gets hard. And beyond that, we'll give these creatures, of all of the creatures on earth, this unique gift of being able to do life with us. Can you imagine how amazing it is that you have been given the gift of being able to do life with God? That's one of the things that separates you from all of the creatures of this earth. And because you can do life with God, you can draw from his strength, you can draw from his his presence, and you're going to need it. Because life's going to get hard. We're going to keep coming back to that one. And how about this one? God says, why don't we give these creatures the capacity to enjoy beauty? Can you imagine what an amazing gift it is to be able to enjoy beauty? Of all the creatures of the earth, you can step outside in the morning and you can look up and see a sunrise, and it can just make you drop your jaw. You can see a a night sky, and it just dazzles you. You can look at a, a beauty, I mean the beauty of a flower, and just be dazzled by it. Incredible and you're going to need that ability to see beauty when life gets hard. And how about the gift of hope? The fact that God gave us the ability to see beyond the pressures of now and see that there is more to come and the reckless courage that comes with that. And then God said, let's give them the capacity For joy, what other creature can really understand joy that comes from this deep, deep sense that there is a God and that he's in control and that he loves you? You matter to him and he's got you no matter what. And when you taste tough times, hope and joy are going to be incredibly important, aren't they? But maybe the most amazing of the gifts that God gave to us when we were created was the gift of choice, the gift of freedom, of all the creatures of the earth. Perhaps that's what makes us the most image of God-like. You can choose for God or against God. That's amazing. He lets you be a moral creature. You can choose right or wrong. He allows you to make that choice, and it's the biggest reason that life gets hard, right? See, God made us different than the rest of the animals. And when we choose against God, messes are inevitable. Life is inevitably harder. We have this capacity for so much good and so much evil. Like so many gifts, God's gifts are two-edged. Think about two-edged gifts. My granddaughter Morgan is turning 16 next month, which means she's all excited about being able to drive. The rest of us aren't so excited. She's actually in negotiations with her parents right now about a car, right? A car is a two-edged gift. mean, I want her to have an old one, a really old one. And Morgan wants a white one. That's really important, apparently. And her dad wants her to have a safe one, right? That's kind of what's in negotiation. But that car is going to give her great freedom. And it's going to give her a capacity for so much bad, isn't it? Driving a car is a two-edged gift. God's gift of choice is kind of like that. How about Stephen, my grandson? My my grandson, uh, not too long ago, got a shotgun as a gift. What a two-edged gift. Such pride, such joy, and he's really, really good at it, surprisingly. And it's dangerous, which is why his dad and his grandpa have been working hard to make sure that he knows how to handle it safely, wisely. It's kind of like God's gift of choice. Freedom, capacity for good, and a capacity for such great danger and evil. How do you use it? God lets you choose. That's his gift. How do you use it? Well, we don't always use God's gift well, which is why God set up the second Christmas story, the Jesus Christmas You see, God gave us an amazing world, didn't he? And he gave us all of these amazing gifts, and we broke it. We broke it. So God the Father sent Jesus the Son to mend what we broke. Because God's gifts are so two-edged. We have this capacity for relationship with each other. And when we don't do relationship with each other well, it creates all of this loneliness and this pain. We have this capacity for doing life with God. That's part of what makes us in the image of God. And when we push God away, it leaves us with so much emptiness and weakness. God gave us the capacity to enjoy beauty. When life gets hard, we don't look at beauty. We tend to focus on what's ugly. God gave us the capacity for hope and for joy. And so often we just leave them in the boxes and we settle for a life that's painted with grace. And God gave us this unique capacity to choose, this, this freedom. And every single one of us, I'm not the exception and none of you are the exception. Every so, a single one of us too often choose sin. And when we choose sin, we create messes for ourselves and for the people around us, right? <laughs> All of this stuff is set up. We're actually going to come back to many of those ideas, but the stuff is set up. I'll just kind of set them aside for a minute. We'll come back to them. I know this Christmas and July stuff is pretty weird, but that's where we are. And to some degree, we just want to have fun occasionally here at Capital City. That's important for us, we think. How many of you guys got cookies out in the foyer? Where'd you think a tater in the Santa Claus suit? Yeah. he doesn't quite look like Jeff Warnicky did when Jeff wore it for our Mayberry Christmas some of you guys need a laugh you need a laugh because for some of you guys life is pretty hard right now right I mean, one pastor put it like this he says either you are going through a tough season of life right now or you've just come out of a tough season of life or you're about to go into one how is that for a view of life but it's probably true Maybe some of you guys have recently been to the doctor and you got a tough diagnosis or maybe a tough prognosis. What's coming? And you know it's going to be hard. Maybe you're going through a real tough time financially. You're in a dark hole, a deep hole, and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel at all. Maybe you're in a relationship that's blowing up. Maybe a marriage, a relationship with a friend, a relationship with a kid, a parent. It's hard now. Maybe your job isn't going well you kind of dread going to work in the morning. Or maybe your depression, which you battle with, your anxiety, seems out of control, off the scale. Or maybe you just feel this distance from God. And I'm going to tell you guys, that's one of the worst. Feeling this emptiness, this distance from God. And here's the deal. It seems like a lot of times when bad stuff comes, it comes in waves. It comes in bunches, doesn't it? There are people in this church family who've had a really, really, really tough year. Some of you guys have gone through pain after pain. Some of you guys seem like you're stuck in a deep, deep valley, spiritually, emotionally. Maybe there have been a whole series of deaths in your family. I know people in this church family that have had that over the last year. Maybe you've battled one physical problem after another. It seems like as soon as you get through one physical problem, another one crops crops up and you just can't seem to, to get past it. Or maybe you're underwater financially and that gets really hard, guys. Every day it seems like there's another bill you want to pay and makes it hard to answer the phone or go to the mailbox maybe you just watch your kid and it hurts you watch your kid come home every single day and it seems like they're they're hurting they've been bullied again she's in tears again it's never-ending it's hard and then some dork Christian comes along and says something cruel like this well God will never give you more than you can handle Right? God will never give you more than you can handle. And they sound so pious and you just want to punch them in the face. God wouldn't let this happen if he didn't think you could handle it. Or something like this. You know, no one ever. God closes the door, he's going to open up a window. And you're thinking to yourself, what good does that do when you're on the 10th floor? And you know they mean it as encouragement, but it doesn't work out that way doesn't sound that way to you. In fact, sometimes the words seem almost cruel, right? God will never give you more than you can handle, right? And you know why they sound cruel? Because it's not true. It's not true. So sometimes words like that create anger, confusion, disillusionment. In fact, words like that have actually caused some Jesus followers to walk away from God. Or some who are just exploring to push God away. Because what they hear is something like this God's doing this to you, you know. God is the one sending this pain into your life. What's what's your worry? Or something like this Where's your faith? Why are you just being a snowflake, a whiner? God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Buck up. Or this one, which I heard just recently. What did I do? I had to have done something if God is causing me all of this pain, right? What did I do? What did I do wrong? <laughs> we're a little series that we're calling hashtag my God, Right? Last week, we looked at, my God wants you to be happy. And our conclusion was, not always, right? This week, my God won't give you more than you can handle, right? Next week, God would never shut the door on somebody who's being spiritual in his own way. Doesn't matter really what you believe as long as you're sincere, right? God never said that. Last week, my kind of God doesn't want you to judge, You're not supposed to judge. And Jesus said something similar to that, but he didn't mean what most people think he meant. Today, my God would never give you more than you can handle. And there's so many pieces of that that you need to poke at. And are you saying that all of the troubles that you go through are choreographed by God? God did this to you. God's causing your pain. What do you mean God won't give you more than you can handle, than you can handle? Does that mean God just expects me to be tougher? Is my problem just a wussy faith? Handle it. And what do you mean by handle? Does that mean he's not going to give you more than you can be victorious over? Are you saying that no real Jesus follower is ever really going to lose financially, relationally, physically in this world? Let's dig a little deeper. Let's start here. This is really important, guys. Sometimes we act like whatever bad happens in our life is put there by God. That's what we say. That's what we believe. Everything that happens to you is God's plan, people will tell you. And they are wrong. Guys, I'm serious. The world, this world is not clicking along the way God wanted it to. Everything that happens in your life is not what God wanted for you. What do you mean, my God would never give you more than you can handle, as if God is the one creating your messes? Our lives get messed up for so many reasons. Very rarely are they messed up by God. Sometimes our lives are messed up just because we live in a broken world. Guys, we do. Quite a few years back, I still remember it vividly. Actually, I remember the aftermath. I fell off a scaffold right over there onto that floor, right? Right? I fell because I slept. God didn't trip me. God didn't push me. I was careless. I get skin cancer quite often. God's not punishing me. The truth is I got too much sun when I was a kid, and I'm paying for it now. My mom died of ovarian cancer. God didn't do that to her. She lived in a fragile body in a broken world. Messes just happen Sometimes. Beyond that, did you know that a whole lot of our messes, a whole lot of our messes are self-imposed? God doesn't make you do stupid things and God doesn't make you sin. But when you do stupid things and you do sin, it creates messes, doesn't it? We choose to drink too much and then we get mad at God when we're diagnosed with liver disease or pancreatitis or gastrointestinal issues or heart disease or when our family starts getting dysfunctional or when our job is threatened. God didn't do that to you. You choose to smoke too much, get mad at God when you're diagnosed with bronchitis or cancer. God didn't cause that. We choose to neglect our families and wonder why God doesn't fix the problems with our spouse or with our kids. God's not the one giving you more than you can handle. We choose to buy what we can't afford, just charge it. And then we struggle with God when our finances become a mess. That wasn't God's will for your life. You chose to marry him, you chose to marry her. Why blame God? You took that job, you quit that job. You chose to hang out with him, you chose her as your friend. You chose to self-medicate. Bottom line, we choose stupid sometimes, we choose sin sometimes, and use the amazing gift of God, of freedom, of choice, badly. And then we blame God for the pain that follows. Really? He didn't choreograph that. So sometimes our lives are messed up because we just live in a broken world. Sometimes our lives are messed up, our problems come because we make bad choices. Sometimes... We have messes because people around us are sinners, and they make bad or stupid choices. You ever lost a job because someone around you messed up? God didn't do that to you, some guy did. Maybe your marriage is in trouble because your spouse is misbehaving. God isn't choreographing your pain. Your pain is being caused by the bad choices of a sinner that you're doing life with. Maybe you're at the funeral of a friend who was hit by a drunk driver. God didn't do that. Sinner did that. And yet at the funeral we hear them say, God will never give you more than you can handle. As if God is causing the mess. Listen guys, God never, ever, ever, ever choreographs evil. God never causes evil. The idea that God put evil in your life is blasphemy. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says about that. He says, remember, when you're being tempted, when you're being tempted, don't say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and God never tempts anyone else. God can use the hard things in your life to do some amazing things in you and through you, but he doesn't cause the evil in your life. He's just not smaller than it. He didn't do that to you. He's not giving you what he thinks you can handle. Don't blame it on him. But maybe some of you guys are pushing back and you're thinking, well, maybe God didn't put that in my life, but he could have protected me, couldn't he? He could, have, he could have put that hedge around me so I didn't feel so much pain. Isn't that what we would expect from a perfectly good and an infinitely powerful God? Doesn't it make sense that a God who's supposed to love you that much wouldn't allow you to suffer that much, Right? Doesn't God promise that hedge of protection if we pray for it? Have you ever prayed for that hedge of protection around you or your children or your friends? I have. But when we treat it like it's a promise or a guarantee, it gets very confusing, doesn't it? You pray for God's help, you pray for God's healing, you pray for God's protection. And you know we don't always get what we pray for, the way we pray it. So we pray harder. We try to muster up more faith in our prayers, whatever that means. We try to get others to pray with us, thinking maybe the prayers of many will be way more powerful than the prayers of just one or two. Well, we started assessing ourselves and say, maybe there's something in me, maybe some sin in me that's blocking the power of my prayer. So I'm going to confess every sin I can think of to make sure God protects me. When our prayers aren't answered, it gets confusing. Some people think God has let them down. Some people think God is dissing them or mad at them. And so oftentimes, oftentimes, here's what happens in the middle of a mess people start leaning away from God rather than leaning in towards Him. That's what happens. So often, we start leaning away from God rather than leaning in. After all, what good is God? We say very quietly, if he won't protect me, if he won't protect my kids. Because my kind of God would never give his kids more than they can handle. And this is more than I can handle. What's wrong with him? So where did we get that idea? Where would that idea come from? Did God really promise never to give you more than you could handle? The short answer is this. No. He didn't never said that never promised that here's where that myth comes from it comes from a misunderstanding of a verse in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 what paul says is similar but it's not the same thing here's what paul says he says the temptations in your life the temptations are not different from what others experience and god is faithful and he will not allow to temptation the temptation to be more than you can stand that's where we get it when you're tempted he's going to show you a way out so that you can endure He's talking about temptation. He's talking about the temptation to sin. He's not talking about all the troubles in your life. He doesn't say God's not going to give you more than you can handle. He says you're never going to face a temptation to sin that if you lean on God, He's not going to help you get through. In fact, it doesn't take much digging in the Bible to find a whole bunch of holy guys who faced way more than they could handle. King David, King David's called a man after God's own heart. Psalm 38, David says, I am drowning. I'm drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden way more than I can handle. Then he says, I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Have you ever felt that way? Well, giants of the Bible did too. And yet, instead of leaning away from God, David leaned in. Here's the Apostle Paul. Paul was, I think, the greatest of the earliest Christian teachers. Paul is writing to one of his churches when he says something that I think we need to hear. He says, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, and I think that includes us. We think you ought to know about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed, right? Beyond our ability to endure. Paul says, we thought we would never live through it. Expected to die. Holy cow. What do you think Paul would have felt like if some well-meaning Jesus follower came up to him at that moment and says, Don't you understand, Paul? God's never going to give you more than you can handle. Right. Paul says, As a result, we stop relying on ourselves. We learn to rely on God, who has the, even the ability to raise the dead. Now, that's power. Way more than we can handle. Not bigger than our God. And how about Jesus himself, Son of God, our Savior and our Lord? Here's how Jesus put it. Now, here's the context, guys. This is the day before he's crucified, and he knows exactly what's coming. He's in the garden, and he's praying, literally sweating blood as he's praying for God to give him a different way, different than the cross. Mark says Jesus became deeply troubled and distressed beyond what you've ever felt. Here's what Jesus, the Son of God, says to his Father. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. That's Jesus. Can you imagine Peter, James, or John coming to Jesus at that moment and said, It's okay, Jesus. You know that God the Father will never give you more than you can handle. But Jesus just keeps leaning in. Fact is, guys, sometimes God allows us to face way more than we can handle. Maybe you've already been there, felt that. Maybe you haven't yet, but you will. So what do you do next? That's the key. That's the key, isn't it? Do you lean away or do you lean in? You're going to be prone to lean away. You're going to be tempted to lean away. Do you lean away or do you lean in? David leaned in. Paul leaned in. Jesus leaned in. You can too. A guy named Jonah. Ever heard of Jonah? Big fish story in the Old Testament. Jonah says, in my distress, in my distress, I lean in. I call to the Lord, and he answers me. From the deep, from the realm of the dead, I call to God for help, and I know that you always listen to my cry. He's always going to listen. He's not always going to fix your problems the way that you want him to, but he's there, and just that is huge. In fact, Jonah says, when my life is ebbing away, Instead of leaning away, he says, I remember you, Lord, and my prayers rise to you, Lord. He keeps leaning in. It's a promise in the book of Hebrews. God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you, no matter what happens to you. So we can say with confidence, God is my helper, and I will have no fear. No fear. Because what can mere people do to me? When you're overwhelmed... No matter what the cause, no matter what the outcome, lean in. Lean in. You see, sometimes we're, when times are hard, we actually start wondering about God. I mean, life isn't going well. Why is God doing this to me? Or at the least, why is God letting this happen to me? And if God's really there, and if God is really good, and if God is really powerful, why won't He do something about it? I keep praying and praying, and it's getting worse. I, I'm not even sure I want to pray anymore. I'm not sure I'm comfortable in God's presence. So we start leaning away. Guys, don't. Don't. Lean in. And if you keep leaning in, you will experience not always the outcome that you pray for, but you'll experience the presence of God. And that's huge. See, God gives us so many amazing gifts that you can draw on when life gets tough. I mean, God didn't make you to go it alone, so what does he do? He puts us in families, and he puts us in friendships, and he puts us in church families. You were made to need each other, to draw strength from each other, and to give strength to each other. And that is a huge gift from our God. Huge gift. I'm glad you're here. More than that, you were created by God to need God. He put a hole in your heart for him. And then he gives us himself. And if you'll go to him to do life with him, you'll find he's always there with you. None of us is smart enough, strong enough, good enough to make this, do this thing alone, but you don't have to. You don't have to be alone. Maybe instead of twisting 1 Corinthians 10 that God will never allow you to face more temptation than you can endure, maybe we ought to hang on to a verse in 2 Corinthians 12. Same teacher, the apostle Paul, he's struggling with more than he can handle. And here's what he keeps praying. Now, he's praying passionately over and over and over again for God to remove some kind of what he calls a thorn in his flesh. Repeatedly, God, take this thorn away from me. I can't handle it. you got to help me, God. And here's how God answers him. This is how God answers me sometimes. This is how God answers you sometimes. God says to Paul, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. In fact, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is enough. And it is. And I'll bet you've prayed prayers like Paul's. God, I need some help. My kid needs some help. I need to see some light at the end of the tunnel. This is more than I can handle. And I'll bet some of you guys have prayed those prayers for days, for weeks, for months, for years. Some of you guys for decades. And listen, guys, if anybody deserved to have his prayers answered the way he wanted them to be answered, it was the Apostle Paul. What Paul did to serve our God is mind-blowing. And here's what God tells Paul. God tells me, God tells you, my grace, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. It's all you really need because my power is most evident in your weakness. And Paul got it, and it worked. It gave him this incredible strength to face down whatever was coming, no matter how it worked out, and he ended up losing his head. Paul says, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of God can work through me. He says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. He says, I don't care about them. I don't care about the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ, because when I'm weak, I'm strong. You know why? Because God's grace is Enough. It's enough. And when we get that, when we actually live that out, you start to feel a supernatural strength that will blow their minds and will blow yours. Have you ever seen that kind of strength? I have. I saw one of our guys here at Cap City. He had gone through 25 surgeries. His legs were gone. wasn't much he could do anymore physically, so... All he did was to pray for every single person in this church family by name every single day. (laughs) And I went to the hospital to comfort him when he was dying. And he spent the whole time I was there comforting me. How would you like strength like that? God's grace was sufficient for Ray. I watched the family of a really good friend at a funeral. He, he had died way too young. He's one of the sweetest, most God-honoring men that I've ever known. His wife was there. He had about 35 kids. They were all lined up, right, in the reception line there at the funeral, the visitation. And every one of them, it was stunning, every one of them was displaying a peace and a strength that blew my mind, comforting every person who came by. <laughs> God's grace was enough, and the bonderants knew it. All of them. When I was a prophet at the college, I used to watch these youngsters who had sensed God's call and I watched them give up, which is kind of a funny way to put it, give up the pursuit of prosperity for the honor of serving God in some very tough places. They knew life was going to be hard for them, more than they could handle perhaps. And yet they exuded a sense of purpose and peace and joy that made me so proud of them as a Jesus follower because to them they knew God's grace. It's enough. I've watched people in this room go through hellish trials, display amazing strength in the middle of those trials and emerging afterwards even stronger as a person and in their faith towards our God. How would you like some of that strength, some of that peace, some of that joy? Have you ever, ever, ever been absolutely overwhelmed by grace, So God's not going to give you more than you can handle, huh? Yeah, right. As if all of your troubles are actually being thrown at you by him. They're not. As if God expects you to win every battle. He doesn't, and you won't. As if God expects you to handle them alone. You don't have to. What he does give us is more than enough. He gives us family. He gives us friends. He gives us a church family. So you don't have to go through anything alone. Isn't that cool? Way more than that, he gives us his own presence. Can you imagine a God who'd give you the gift, us the gift of doing life with him? What an amazing gift. And when we do life with him, we draw on his strength, his presence. If we keep leaning in instead of leaning away, and he gives us grace my grace my grace he says is all you need it's all you need and think about it what has ever come into your life that has diminished the power of God's grace don't forget back of the room prayer room there's an elder in there praying for you and if anybody here needs to pray if you're going through a hard time one of our elders to pray with you just slip into the back there You'll be there for the rest of the service and a few minutes afterwards. If you want to slip down to the front, I'm going to be down here the next part of the service or after the service is over. And you also need to remember that there's these little cards in front of you. It says, I have decided. It's a decision card. If you... Mark one of those. I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I want baptism. I want to talk to a minister. Put your name and contact information there. As you walk out these exit doors, there's a couple of boxes you're going to find in that little passageway. Just drop that in that box and we'll contact you by tomorrow. Okay? If you want to pray or talk with one of us, we'd love to talk with you. Why don't you pray with me, please? Father, for your grace, all we can say is thank you. And help us to learn to live in it. And taste the beauty, the joy, the hope, the peace that comes from being one of yours. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.